I will always be giving, but there are times where I'm not giving. Um, I think we say what we want to be. We do what we truly are. Hello everyone, my name is Sarah and I am a co-active life coach as well as the host for MindPod. This is a place where I will be inviting interesting human beings to explore an idea. There's no right, no wrong, just browsing. So let's see what we can stir up. Our guest today is Amy Fisher, who is a working mom of two children. She's been married for eight years and currently lives in the UAE. So let's invite her in. Hi, Amy. Hi, Sarah. How are you? Good, thank you. How are you? I'm good, thank you. I'm good. Some peace and quiet at last. So uh, happy to have some adult conversation. <laughs> yeah. And thank you for joining today. I'm really excited to talk about this um, topic with you. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it too. I think it's something that we probably don't spend enough time really considering, um, you know, who we are in our, in our family, in our community, in our, in our world. So I think it's going to be an interesting topic. Awesome. Let's get started then. Okay, so let's start with what is the role of a wife in 2020? So, Amy, in your opinion, what are the differences between being a wife versus being a girlfriend? Um, I think that being a girlfriend gives you the chance to explore who you are um, and who you are with other people. Um, I think once you make the commitment of marriage, um, you are making a commitment and I think that you're binding yourself into the promise to yourself and to the other people involved, um, the families, the, the man that you're marrying more importantly, um, that you will work together um, to achieve the best possible life together. Um, and obviously once you have a family, that commitment becomes even more important uh, because it's not just the two of you that that affects then, it's you know your children. Um, and like I said, the families around you as well. I think it's important to see it as a, com a combination of families rather than as just the joining of two people. So your relationship is not only you and your husband, but it's the entire family. Yeah, I think that you need to respect people's, um, people's wider family. You know, when you marry an individual, you're marrying um, them for for reasons that you've decided, but you are also taking on the commitment to respect um, and to care for their wider family, um, you know, their mother and their father, um, to be sister-in-law to their brothers and their sisters, and to be auntie to their nephews and nieces. And I think that, you know, you, you do make promises to that person that you will continue to respect and to be part of that wider family as well. Mm hmm. And it sounds like it's a lot of work meeting all the family members, especially if your partner has a huge family. So how do you cope with that? Yeah, absolutely. It could it could be seen that way. Um, I'm a I'm a people person. To me, family is everything. The bigger the family, the better. I'm not for one second saying that everybody gets on all of the time. That's not possible, not even within your own bloodline. Um, but I think that families bring something to our lives that, you know, other, other relationships can't. Um, working together to make the most of what you have is what will keep you together ultimately. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, it sounds like once you're committed to a person and when you have a family with them, you're sharing the same view or same vision of how you want to live together. Um, I think it would be ideal to always share the same view, but I think a healthy relationship is being able to express your view and mm. understand and respect that maybe your partner's isn't the same. Um, I think marriage is a lot about compromise. Um, compromise and finding that equilibrium, the things that you can compromise on, the things that you're not willing to compromise on um, and doing the same for your husband or for your wife. Um, I think that it's a continuous discussion. It's a continuous uh, path of communication and Ultimately, you know, marriages hit rocky patches and all marriages hit rocky patches when that communication breaks down. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah, I don't think that necessarily having the same views is important. I think being able to find views that suit both of you and sometimes just holding your hands up and say, look, we're not going to see eye to eye on this. Um, let's agree to disagree. I respect your opinion. I need you to respect my opinion. And, you know, we can be happy with, with that conclusion. And how have you changed since the time you were single to becoming a wife? Oh gosh, a lot. Um, I mean, I've gone through a huge change anyway. Um, I converted to Islam not long before I got married. Um, I was born Catholic. I was raised in the UK. Um, I now live in the UAE. Um, and I'm married into a, into a different culture. So, you know, with all of those things come massive changes in your life. Um, I think that as a person though, I would like to think that I haven't changed massively. If anything, what has changed in my priorities. Um, I think as a single girl, um, certainly a single career-driven woman, um, I very much put myself first. Um, and that's probably how I got to where I am now. Um, everything was very much about me. I had my own goals. Um, since being married, that can't be the case. Yes, you know, I'm going to hold my hands up and I absolutely put myself first sometimes because everybody needs to do that. I think it's really important that you find time for you in no matter, you know, no matter what your role is in any kind of relationship. Um, but I do find that I will put the happiness of those people around me sometimes before myself. I don't know whether that's a good thing or a bad thing. Um, I think one of the best things about, about marriage and about growing up, I guess, and that, you know, even now in my mid thirties, I still feel like I'm not an adult. You know, I'm still growing. I'm still learning every single day. Um, and I'm learning about myself. And there are times where I look at myself and I don't like what I see. And there are times where I look at myself and I'm really proud of what I see. Um, but ultimately, as long as I continue to learn, then I feel like I'm heading in the right direction. What's the advantage of being a wife? Um, the advantage is that I have somebody to support me. I have somebody to soundboard my ideas off. I have somebody to, um, to work through my problems with, um, to comfort me when I really need it. 
um, but also somebody to G me up and to support me in the big choices that I'm making. Um, I made a massive choice as part of my career not long ago. Um, and I didn't know whether I was doing the right thing and having my husband wholeheartedly support me and give me the, the pros as to, um, you know, what I was, I was deciding, but also to explain to me the ways in, in which he was willing to change to support me in making that decision was massive. Um, and I think that one of the best things about being in a marriage is that you always have that person there mm. um, it's not always the prettiest picture don't get me wrong like we disagree all of the time um, but having that person there when you need it most and knowing that they will push you to make the decision that's right for you as as a wider family mm. um, I think is really important to me so how has the relationship evolved after marriage um I think the biggest thing for me is that as I learn about myself, I am constantly learning about my husband too. Um, I think as humans, we change a lot through our 20s, through our 30s, probably into our 40s and our 50s. Um, and, you know, you are constantly learning more about yourself, but you have to be aware that the people that you share your most intimate times with are also changing um, mm. and so it is it's a continue it's an evolving story I don't mm. think that there's a defining point where you can say I have a happy marriage and I will always have a happy marriage or my you know my marriage is over and it will definitely always be over I think that um, certainly in my experience there are times where I feel close to both um, and it's only when you really explore that and learn more about each other that you find pathways through it. I think one of the biggest changes though is that we've both learnt our levels, at, I don't know how to phrase it, but our top levels. We know at what point that we need to leave something, we know at what point we need to walk away, and we know at what point that there's just no need to continue a conversation. Yeah, and how do you know? I think through trial and error, it's, mm. it's, there's no other way to learn that. I mean, you can talk about it all you want. I can tell him until I'm blue in the face that, you know, I, I will always be giving, but there are times where I'm not giving. Um, I think we say what we want to be. We do what we truly are. Um, mm. And I think even that changes with time and with situations. There are certain situations, certain topics that are a lot more emotive for one of us than the other. Um, and just learning to read that other person. You know, when you live with somebody 24 hours, seven days a week, 365 days a year, you learn their triggers, you learn their behaviors, you learn the look in their eye when they wake up in the morning that tells you today is not the day to ask that big question. Um, or, you know, the, the sigh as they step out of bed that makes you realize that today is the day that they're open. Mm. So, yeah, I think you become almost one in a way. You learn to read each other incredibly mm. well. So, in your opinion, when two people are not being able to understand each other and they keep clashing, what's missing? Um, probably communication. 
um, I would say that that has been the area in all of the marriages that I know best that falls down the most often. And even, I believe that even marriages that seem really strong on the outside sometimes have communication gaps. Um, I'm somebody who's really open to external help. Like sometimes you just need that mediator. Sometimes you just need somebody to help you to listen to the person that you really need to listen to um, and not tell you what's right or what's wrong or who's right or who's wrong. But like I said, just open up your ears and allow you to listen, help you to listen. Um, and sometimes you do need, you know, those extra people outside of your marriage to say, look, what you're doing is right. Like keep pushing for it. You're, you're, you're on the right path. Um, so like I said, right at the very beginning, I don't think marriage is just between two people. I think that there are always avenues and pathways outside of the marriage that can help you. It might be your mother-in-law. It might be somebody that neither of you know, that's a total, um, mutual sounding board. Um, but communication is so key and being aware of how good your communication is at any one point, I think is, is ultimately the answer to everybody's surviving marriage. Um, right. I mean, I'm very aware that there are marriages out there that can't survive, that you know, that one or the other is not open to continuing and continuing the marriage for whatever reason. Um, but outside of those those situations um, I think that there are pathways through every trial and tribulation for every two people yeah I really liked what you said that you know people around become an importance as well when there are things that you want to share maybe your mother-in-law would understand you better because he is her son right yeah absolutely and sometimes it just takes you know me hearing what my husband's been trying to tell me from somebody else for me to hear it properly. Mm. Um, and you know, you don't want your partner running to somebody else every time they want to speak to you. Mm. But I think that um, I have learned that there are times where saying what we truly feel is just too difficult for us. Um, and in those circumstances, knowing that you have that support network around you um, to help you build that communication again and that honesty is is the the sort of net that you need to catch right yeah and you know Amy we all grew up watching our parents relationship that was pretty much the first exposure we've had in how two people work things out so how is yours different from your parents you know, it's funny. Um, I look back on what I saw or perceived my parents' marriage to be when I was younger. And I think I had really rose-tinted glasses. Um, I was under the impression that, you know, my parents were really happily married. They never had any arguments. Um, you know, they got up with smiles on their faces every day. They went to bed with smiles on their faces and our lives were, you know, pretty grand. Um, and it's only really since being married and probably leaning a little bit on my mother and my father to understand the roles of husband and wife 
Um, but I've seen that there were flaws in their relationship too, and there still are. I think that they have taught me that it isn't something that you just perfect on day two and you're happy ever after, that even they're what, 38 years into, 37 years into their marriage, even after 37 years, they're still working through things. Mm. They're still finding communication gaps at times. Um, and, you know, the outside world would deem them a happy, happily married, long-term married couple. Um, but I think that I have grown to see that it's okay not to be perfect. It can still work um, and it can still produce a really loving family. Um, and ultimately that's the goal, isn't it? Mm. Um, I go and stay with my parents for a month every year um, without failure, barring COVID. Um, and yeah, I think it's really opened my eyes to their relationship, um, the really lovely parts of it, but they're also not so pretty parts of it. Um, and it's given me confidence that I don't need a perfect relationship all the time for it to be a good relationship. Yeah. I mean, we all kind of assume that, you know, after marriage, um, like, you know how Disney has painted this picture of, oh, you're married, you're good. And we kind of perceive that, okay, from now on, we're always going to feel on top of the world. This person is always going to make me feel special. But that's not the case. Marriage is the beginning. Absolutely. And I think we're almost tricked into believing that marriage is our happily ever after that from that day you will constantly feel in love you will constantly you know be laughing and rolling around with joy with you know your new partner and that there will never be any rocky roads and it's such a misinterpretation of life yeah. um, but then i also look back on that and i'm sure you'll agree with me that if that was my life it would be pretty boring you know, absolutely I I learn all the time from the rocky pathways. I don't learn from the good moments. Um, and I probably wouldn't appreciate them when they happened if they were constant. Yeah, we're, human beings are very uh, interesting because when we have something for a long time, we get bored. You know, we need a challenge. Yeah, I, I fully agree with that. Um, and I think that we're also naturally very ambitious we always want the next the next thing the next thing the next best thing mm -hmm. um and marriage is one of those things where it's not going to continue to constantly get better um it will do eventually be better than it started of course but it will probably look very different from when it first started um, yeah. and the dynamic will probably be very different and i don't know you know i'm only I'm less than 10 years into my marriage, so mm. I, I don't know what the end story is. Mm. Um, but I hope that it will be very different from now, not because now isn't good enough, but because I want to continually evolve. And I, want, I will want different things when I'm 50 than I do when I'm 30 and when I'm 70 than when I'm 50. Um, so if it's not changing, I think I've probably got a really big problem. Yeah, 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 exactly. That means, I mean, personally, I feel like if, the relationship is stagnant, someone is not being honest, you know? Yeah, yeah. And like I said, I think that comes down to the joining of two individuals. You know, mm. you are both going to change massively from the day that you get married. Um, my, my nan, 
actually got married for a second time in her 50s and even between her 50s and her 80s her life her you know her ideals in life have changed so much um between then and now and it's that has i think has shown me that there's never a point in your life where what you had yesterday will be enough today um or the right thing for today because today's challenges are always different from yesterday's um so what you need is somebody who can float those waves with you um and can bear the downs as as much as they can celebrate the the highest points yeah absolutely right so let's move on to what is a role of a daughter in 2020 so what is the expectations your parents have from you as a daughter today? I've been thinking quite a lot about this actually over the last week or so, um, because I think that this is a question that could be answered so many different ways by every single woman in the world. Um, I'm, I don't know whether I'm lucky or whether I'm not lucky that my parents' expectations of me as a daughter have just been to find happiness. Um, they've been incredibly supportive um, of all of my life choices. You know, I, I left the country that they brought me up in um, for two years, 15 years ago. Um, and I think there must have been a point where they were like, oh, she's not coming back. Mm-hmm. Um, but they've never made, let me feel that. They've mm-hmm. always supported my decisions and, um, and emphasized that as long as I'm happy, they will be supportive. And I'm sure there are times where I've made choices where they think, oh gosh, what is she doing now? Um, But they've been very careful to question considerately um, and respect my choices. Um, And, you know, I feel very fortunate to have parents that are like that, that don't allow their own ideals or prejudices influence what I want to do. That said, the pressures I put on myself or the expectations I put on myself as a daughter, especially as they get older, I think are changing. Mm. Um, I always said that, you know, I would never be somebody who went back home. I'm very independent. I've always been very independent. Now, as I watch my grandparents get older and need more support and my parents be there for them, I'm starting to think about what happens when it's their turn, when they need their their daughter. They have four daughters, so I'm not the only one. It wouldn't be a full-time commitment from any one of us, I don't think. Um, but I do want to be there for them because I now see that they have been there so wholeheartedly for me. Hmm. Yeah, and from what I've seen, daughters are usually good at keeping in touch with their parents. Yeah, I think I'm actually better at keeping in touch with my parents than my parents are with me a lot of the time. Um, mm-hmm. they're, they're parents who constantly worry that they're interfering with my life um, Mm. and they don't want to bother me Um, but I am incredibly close to both of my parents Um, the idea of having a year without seeing them fills me with absolute dread Um, Mm. Covid literally couldn't be worse for a daughter who lives 4,000 miles from her parents Um, that said you know I keep in contact with them all of the time and I would never ever want that relationship to change um however having two boys i'm hoping that that's not just daughters i'm hoping that (laughs) close relationship is just children in general yeah um, from happy families 
but we'll we'll see I'll come back to you in 20 years and tell you whether that's the truth yeah let me know and what are the ways you can or you want to give back to your parents as a daughter um I want them to never worry um and I'm in a really fortunate situation where I can allow that to happen um so I make sure I don't give them money they would never take it from me um I, I know that that's who they are and that's that's my father's certainly my father's pride level he would never take money from his daughter um that said i do have a, a bank account set up um in my home country that my dad has the card to and the understanding is that at any point um without asking if he needs money for anything at all he can take it he i know and i trust and i don't need it but i know that he will always pay me back um probably in uh, you know more than he ever needed to um but i just i like to know that there's that safety net from them and that they know that they'll never be stuck um because i think i owe them that that's that's certainly what they've provided for me mm. um and i want them to have the same back and likewise you know i would hope that from an emotional and support point of view that they know that they can always call on me i'm a long way away i've got sisters who are much much closer and i'm aware that they probably wouldn't put on me in the same way that they would my sisters. Um, I think there's a really good example. Actually, my father was diagnosed with bowel cancer four, four years ago. Um, he told my sisters together um, and left telling me until he had his surgery date because he knew that I was so far away that I would feel totally helpless. Mm. Um, and he he told me at a point where he knew I was coming back, that it wasn't long until I had to wait to come back and that he had a resolution to the, the problem. And I think that speaks a lot about him as a father. He doesn't want to put on his children ever. Mm. Um, and he doesn't want us to worry about them, about him either. Yeah, that's so considerate of him. But how did it you is. feel? I really annoyed at the time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, how did you feel when you got the news? Um, you know, when, when the surgery was done, you said? Yeah, I was actually back in the UK for the surgery, which was a massive relief to me. Um, my husband, bless him, going back to that, that talk about being supportive, was with me when, or my dad made sure he was with me when he told me over the phone. Um, and the first thing that my husband said is, do you want to go? Mm. You know, if you, if you need to go and leave the children here, go, please go. Don't feel like you're ever being held back from your family. Um, and yeah, I was angry with him at the time. I was angry that he'd left it so long and that him and my mum had suffered together without sharing that burden with us. Um, but now looking back and knowing that he's well and not having the worry of, of, of that diagnosis, um, I can see why they would do it. And I don't blame them one bit for making those choices. I think that shows their respect levels as a parent. Um, and it also has has shown me you know how they value me as a daughter they know that i would want to be there and they understand me well enough to know how i'm going to react mm. um, and i think you know as any as a parent as a daughter i think that's the kind of relationship that you want with your parents that you understand each other to the point of knowing exactly what's best for somebody do you discuss about your parents future with your siblings not yet, no. Um, I feel like my parents are still in that early, late 50s, early 60s. Um, and I feel like, well, they're still working and they're both still very active 
um, dad's diagnosis was a massive shock to, to all of us, I think. Um, but they're, they're incredibly healthy, very active, um, young parents, really. Yes. Um, and so, yeah, I don't think that conversation has come up yet. We kind of joke a little bit. My sister lives with them at the moment that she will never leave and that, you know, one day the tables are going to turn and she's going to be looking after them. Um, but ultimately, I would never expect any one of my sisters to take that on full time. I think that would be really unfair. Mm -hmm. um, family expectation on a single person. Yeah. Yeah. So you would want to be there in any support that you can give. Absolutely. And I think um, going back to my first point, one of the things that has really sort of changed in thinking from the young girl who moved out here 15 years ago um, with kind of a, you know, wave to the UK, knowing that I was probably never going to have a full time life there again um, to now is that I do want to be back in the UK to support my parents at least part of the year. Mm -hmm. um, every year, I don't want to miss out on that time with them. Um, and so now looking forward to my future, it's, it's very much about how do I establish myself so that I can spend the time I need to with my husband and my children here, but also the time that I owe to my parents in the UK. And has there been a shift in how you look at your parents since you became a parent? Oh, massive, massive, especially my mom. I don't think that the bond between a mother and daughter can be any stronger than when the daughter has a baby of their own. Um, and suddenly you realize all of the pain and the suffering that they've been through to raise you. And they do it, mothers do it without any gripes, really. Like as a child, you're never aware of the stresses that they're going through, the sleepless nights, their ultimate tiredness. You, d you have no clue. Um, and so, yeah, and not just that, you know, I've done it twice. I, I'm a mother to two. My mother's a mother to four. I can't, I can't comprehend how she got four of us up ready and walked us to school every morning. Like even the basics. I just have so much respect and admiration for that woman. And for every mother out there, honestly, it's changed my view massively. Mm -hmm. um, I can also see a lot of appreciation in what your mom has done and how much love you've received when you were a child. And we don't remember a lot of things when we were babies, right? But then you learn to live that as you take care of your own babies. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, and I was really fortunate. I don't think I don't have many memories beyond the age of about four. Um, but I was an only child until I was six. My my next sister's six years younger than me. Um, and my dad at the time was working away. So it was just me and my mom. And I think that's probably been the defining point of our bond. Mm. Um, but I also know how hard that must have been for her as a working mother with a young child on her own at home. Um, I can fully appreciate how difficult that was for her. Um, but I, I certainly don't have any memories of any unhappiness at all, uh, which just shows the power of a woman to be able to protect their child from even the toughest times yeah um, and yeah I think you know like I said it's a credit and yeah I do I have a lot of admiration for all the mothers out there I don't think yeah. that there's a mother that doesn't do that for their child mm. yeah so let's move to that role of a mother what are the things a woman can experience only when you become a mother um, the biggest thing must be that overwhelming love um, I don't think 
that a human can appreciate the love for something or someone else until you have a child. And don't get me wrong, um, I was kind of under the impression that that love was like immediate and unconditional, and it wasn't for me. And for a couple of weeks after having my first son, I thought that there was something wrong with me um, because I didn't look at my baby and feel, you know, fully overwhelmed with love. Um, but it's grown and grown and grown to a point where I can't imagine a single second without them. Um, it's a feeling and an experience that I don't think that is comparable to anything. Um, that raw need to protect and to nurture. Um, I can't, I, I honestly can't think of another example in my life, certainly where I have that overwhelming responsibility and, and need to protect. Hmm. And when you have more than one child, how do you, how do you feel like that overwhelming love? Does it double? And how do you give back to your sons? Yeah, that's interesting. I remember being pregnant actually with my second child and thinking, lo looking at my first child and thinking, what if I don't love him this one the same? Like, I can't imagine loving anybody like I love my first. Um, I just, it's, it's a feeling that you're, you're not gonna be enough, that there isn't enough love to go around. Um, but then the second child comes and I don't know, it's like your heart doubles overnight. Um, and yeah, it's, it's all consuming though. Um, and it can be really exhausting. Mm -hmm. um, I, I once read somewhere actually a phrase that becoming a mother is like wearing your heart outside of your body. Um, so everything you do is like letting the most vulnerable part of you do something that you have no control over um, and nothing's ever really expressed what it feels like more than that it is it's like giving your heart like literally you know having your heart on a string and letting them walk around separate to your body um, knowing that if anything goes wrong with that that's it you're over mm. um, yeah I it's it's a feeling that I can't describe at all and it it does just seem to keep growing I don't know where it grows from um. Yeah, that's interesting. I, I'm just having a very random thought. Um, so, you know, we all know this uh, phrase, like women are more emotional, right? Do you think there's a reason why we're biologically more emotional than men? Is it because of uh, the fact that we need to ensure that we pass on our genes and ensure that they're protected so they can continue to do that? Do you think that's tied to how emotions can come and take over us sometimes? Yeah, possibly. Um, it would certainly, I think that explanation certainly would clear up a lot of my confusion over, you know, how, how you become that person that worries about everything, mm. you know, from that carefree young single girl to that constant worrier. Um, it's 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 almost beyond belief when I think back to how I was pre-children. Um, but I also think, you know, we talk a lot about men being the sort of more um, natural 
gender. Um, so going back to sort of that raw instinct. But actually, I think mothers have a lot of that too. Women have a lot of that too. Like the primal instinct to protect is like nothing else. Mm. Um, you know, you have the phrase, don't upset the mama bear. And it's true, like that mama bear can come out of even the softest of women. If you go near her children, upset her children, you know, say something bad about the children, then mama bear is going to come out with her claws raised. Um, so yeah, I think that it's interesting actually um, to see the sort of differences that a woman goes through when they have that, that baby to protect. And that yeah. baby never goes away either. You know, like I said, my son's turning seven tomorrow. He's yeah. still my baby. He's still very much my baby. And I can see that extending to when he's like 36. If somebody disses my baby at 36, like mama bear is going to be there with her claws out. Wow. That's amazing. <laughs> yeah. And what are the things you can or you want to provide as a mother for your children? Um, time, I think, is the one thing that I wish I could provide more of. Um, and it's, I think this comes back down to sort of our roles and that very beginning point that we talked about where um, those, the, the roles of a woman's life and and maybe men too, I'm not sure, but certainly a woman's life is so intermingled. Um, I can't be a wife without being a mother when my family are in the home together. I can't be a daughter without also considering my roles as a wife and as a mother. Um, there's The boundaries become very blurred, um, but the one thing that sort of really upsets the balance of those three is the boundaries of being an employee too mm. um, and I want to give all of my time and attention to my family but I know in order to provide for my family I have to give some time and attention to my career and the things that I've worked hard for um, and to me um, mm. and it's very difficult I think for a mother to take that step back and to say do you know what today the time isn't for the children today the time's about me or about my work because I need to be able to give you more than just being your mother. Um, and you know, ultimately I'm, I'm a better mom when I have that time for me and when I feel proud of my own achievements. Mm. So yeah, the, the boundaries are really blurred, I think, um, yeah. but I wish I had more time. What are the challenges and opportunities you can find as our society has become more virtual? I think in my family, the opportunity to be as connected as possible to all of their extended family is massive. Mm. Um, I think one of the, the big things for me, you know, I've spoken a lot about how my family are really important, um, my extended family, both my husband's family and my family. Um, and one of the sort of big big things for me is that my children feel that too and feel that they or know that it's not just about me and their father it's about their grandmothers and their, their aunties and their uncles and their cousins and we are one big extension of a single family um, having some of that family so far from us that would be impossible if it wasn't for you know the, the virtual world of 2020 um, and being able to you know, even little things, uh, 
we're having a COVID birthday party for my son tomorrow. Um, and my family all sent really moving birthday videos for him that we've put into a compilation um, mm. that we'll play to him uh, after his cake. And these are things that just couldn't be done 50 years ago. Um, letters aren't the same as seeing somebody's eyes and, and you know hearing their words from their, their mouth, are they? Um, so I feel like, yeah, we live a long way, but the world has closed up massively. Um, and we are closer now to the rest of the world than we've ever been. Mm. And any challenges in today's world? Absolutely. Um, the challenge that you can't switch off. The challenge that when you really want to give 100% of your time to one person, there's always a beep in the background or a buzzing of a phone or you know, TV or internet to distract. Mm. I think that we don't have enough time anymore for each other and that a lot of our communication has become misinterpreted because it's not done face to face and eye to eye. Mm. Um, so I think they bring massive challenges into all of the roles that we've spoken about today. I can't convey how hard it is sometimes to get across a really simple meaning mm. in words um, that are typed over mm -hmm. words spoken face to face. I feel like many mothers and even adults, we now think that when we're watching TV together, that's spending time together. What do you think of that? Yeah, and I, I'm guilty of it. I'm so guilty of it. You know, Thursday film night is like our family time. And there are times where I sit watching the film and both the boys are sort of glued to the screen eating their popcorn. And I think this is so sad because actually in our family time, we probably said five words together. And most of those were arguing over which film we were going to watch. Um, but yeah, I think that, you know, I'm raising a generation of children that I don't fully understand yet because mm. they are so reliant on having answers and things immediately. You know, everything happens immediately for them. They need the answer to their big history question. They ask Alexa or check on Google and they got it. In, in my day, yeah, I had to go somewhere and find it. In my parents' day, like they probably never know. I don't know. <laughs> um, but you no, know, these children are children that expect things now immediately. And they, they really struggle with that delayed um, gratification because they're so used to having everything so instantly. Yeah, um, I also feel that the, we don't have patience anymore. No, no, we don't have patience and we don't have time. Um, and yeah, I think that comes from that delayed gratification. We're so used to everything being instant. We have a complaint to make, we email them now. You know, we, we need a delivery. We don't need to wait until it's cooler so we can walk to the shop. We you know, call somebody up and, and they come immediately. Um, and if they're five minutes late, we're suddenly really upset about that, that they're five minutes late bringing our groceries to us. Um, and, you know, it's being amplified as well. Like my children are at the point where they, they can't make that next step at all. Um, they're, if it's not happening right this second, then their patience is wearing thin. Mm. So, so yeah, it's, uh, I think it's a different world, but it's a world that we have to evolve to accept and we have to find the benefits of. Um, there are frustrations, I think, because we're two generations who are very different trying mm. to understand each other. Um, but 
ultimately it's up to us as the older generation to find the positives in our next generation and use those to our advantage rather than constantly complaining about the differences in the two generations. Mm, yeah. And what are the things that have become easier in today's world with this current situation? Um, certainly spending time together. So if I go back to even January this, this year, um, my children were both in school or nursery pretty much full time. Um, they would get on a bus at 6, 6, 6.30 in the morning. Uh, my eldest would get back about five. I would arrive back from work around six. We'd have dinner together and then they'd be in bed by half seven because they had to be up early in the morning. So I'd have maybe an, an hour with them every day. Um, and that hour, it's never an easy hour. It's bath time, it's homework time, it's bedtime, like it's a rush. Everything's a rush. <laughs> and by the time they're down, I'm so exhausted. I don't have time for my husband. Um, so it was a manic world. And I look at the world that I'm currently in. Um, and, you know, I thank God that I still have a job. Um, but I'm working from home. I can take my children to school in the morning. I can pick them up at lunchtime and make sure that my lunchtime is around their finish time so that, you know, I have that time to go and pick them up. And okay, we're not talking all of the time, but I can hear them. They know I'm here. Um, and just having that time together and knowing that if I need to take two minutes to just go and give them a hug, I can do it. Mm. Um, it's invaluable. I wouldn't change it for the world. And mm. in certain you know, terms, I almost hope this continues forever because I think that it's brought a happiness to our home that we, we probably didn't have before. Um, and I didn't really appreciate that we were missing because I've always been that working mother. Um, and you don't know what you don't have, do you? No. Yeah. No, that's absolutely great. Um, I also do uh, hope that the world can see how working from home can be effective. And effective people will work no matter where they are. Interestingly, though, I want to ask you, so you're at the, you know, the beginning of these, some of these journeys, uh, maybe not being a daughter, I'm sure you've been a daughter for a long time, um, but how do you see it? Like, what's your opinion on the things that we've discussed today? What's your opinion of being, you know, a wife and, and what do you hope as, as you look into motherhood in the future? Right, so all these three roles, uh, well, daughter, I'm still a daughter, but being a wife and being a mother is not something that I have experienced yet. I definitely see a lot more responsibilities, a lot more commitment, a lot more seriousness, but a lot more bonding as well. So I feel like I'm going to have a lot of discovery about myself as I start building a family and as we go through that ups and downs. Um, but I would say I'm lucky to have found someone that I feel comfortable enough to start that journey with, you know, so I feel very secure, uh, looking forward to all the challenges and opportunities that this experience will bring. Amazing. I've seen you make so many changes in your life, um, on a personal level over the last couple of years. And I, you know, it's nice to see somebody who's so secure in themselves that you just know that no matter what choices you make in the future and whether, um, you know, you become all of those roles or whether you choose a different pathway at all. And I think, you know, there are a lot of women now who are, are choosing to 
you know, take different roles in, in the community. Um, I think watching somebody grow like you have over the last couple of years puts you in a really good light. Um, and I wish you the absolute best. Thank you, Amy. That means a lot. And how do you feel playing all these three roles, being a wife, daughter, and a mother? Do you know, I think that these are things that we're kind of made for as a woman. Um, we're, we're living in a woman's world. Um, those roles are all really well designed um, to play to the things that women genetically are very good at. Um, I think the challenge comes when we start to take roles in what society has termed men's positions um, because that's not what our gender has has um, biologically prepared us for um, and so trying to then balance those really three really important roles becomes really difficult um, when you're trying to operate in a man's world um, so I think I think each of them have a real importance and each of them have a real importance on the success of the others um, you know, the, the stronger bond you feel with your parents, the easier I feel bonding is with your own children. Um, mm. The more support you have within your marriage, the easier being a good daughter or, you know, looking after your parents is and, um, and, and being a stable mother for your children. Um, so they're so complementary. And like I said right at the beginning, that the boundaries are so blurred. Like, mm. I don't know at what point I'm being a wife or being a mother or being a daughter. I feel like I'm doing all three simultaneously yeah. all the time. Yeah. So it's like, it's like you're playing a piano, right? You're pressing all the buttons at the same time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, totally. Totally. And, uh, and yeah, there's no, you know, it's not, it's even more complex than that in some ways because it's not your left hand playing one piece and your right hand playing another. Um, you know, your left hand sometimes has to play one role that should be the role of your right hand um and so yeah they 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 go well together um they build each other incredibly well um and i feel like you know even the downside the communication loss uh within your marriage can suddenly have major impacts on your ability to be you know a stable mother mm. um having issues with your the relationship with your children can massively impact the relationship you have with your husband or with your parents. Um, so I think that they're so intertwined mm. that you really need to be constantly growing in all of them. Otherwise, one and all of them will eventually slip. Mm. Yeah. Well, thank you, Amy, for joining me today. No problem at all. It was a lovely time to have a chat. Yeah, it was fun. Great. I hope to be in touch with you and hope to speak to you soon. And I can't wait to hear more of your podcasts. I listened to Wayne's last week um, and it was brilliant. So I'm looking forward to the rest of the series. Thank you so much. Thank you for tuning in. What are your thoughts on the topic today? In the next topic, we will discuss about career and society within what it means to be a woman in 2020. Until next time.